0: Blue wire
1: what is up Nets fans welcome to Brooklyn buzz I'm Nick Faye with me as always Jack Manuel Jack how we doing
2: very very swell Nick let's get into some net stuff
1: yeah we got a mailbag episode for you right here as always though you can find a Brooklyn buzz on all streaming platforms Jack where do we start
2: Nick, before we get into some of the questions, there was some minor Nets news on the Woj and Lowe show, and this was the key takeaway. Woj says that the Nets want to extend their big three, says that Blake Griffin wants to be back, but also mentions that Landry Shammett needs an extension and Jeff Green needs a pay raise. Some issues could arise when you have three max deals. I guess in saying that, Nick, we did also get a question uh, from Alec, if it's always something in Philadelphia, about Jeff Green or Blake Griffin. In putting all this together, how do you react to the news, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, Landry Shaman extension, all those things?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, the extension stuff was kind of something we heard from Shams a little bit earlier. Hopefully that gets done. Blake Griffin optimism, I think that's something you kind of anticipate, given, you know, he has to buy out from Detroit so he can live with that veteran minimum, because I think it kind of balances out. Like, let's say the Nets were to give him their taxpayer mid-level exception, then Detroit doesn't have to pay that much on this year of his contract. I'm not sure the exact details of it, but that's usually how it is. Um, Jeff Green, on the other hand, we've kind of been discussing it for the last couple episodes. You know what I mean? Like, taxpayer mid-level exception is what he wants. He's had veteran minimum in the last couple seasons. And Landry Shamit extension, not really concerned. I think uh, Landry Shamit needs to have a consistent season for the Nets to really want to throw money at him.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. I think that you know priorities here, Landry Shamit's almost like you know to put it to the wayside. There's you know we've we've put that guy in, in in trade proposals. So look, if he happens to stay, he happens to kick along. You know, he has to prove himself a little bit more to, to earn an extension as well. You know, the big three is obviously priority A, and then, you know, you take care of Jeff Green and or Blake Griffin. For me, it's obviously Green. I think that he just provides more versatility in, in a position of need. And Blake Griffin, while he had a, a really great postseason run, was awesome on when he asked him to the combo. You know, he's still, you know, a vet minimum dude who, he's going to be a role player at best, which is what Jeff Green is. But I think Jeff Green's... Uh, you know production and reliability uh for extended periods of time uh, and more versatility more yeah exactly so i think the jeff green is certainly uh the guy there but yeah it'll be interesting to see how it does all pan out for the brooklyn nets uh, and their free agency we'll be tackling that head-on as soon as it all begins but we'll get stuck into the questions dick and we'll start with uh hassan iman and he asks Do you think the the Nets should move away from the switching defense scheme next season and go back to drop coverage, which is great at stopping the initial action, but I felt like the mismatches caused issues in the rebounding department?
1: I think ideally you want to be able to run multiple defensive schemes. I think switching should be the Nets' ideal deal ideal defensive scheme just given some of the players they have you know james harden is not going to be getting over screens and chasing guys down and then if you have them going under then you're giving you know free pull up threes same thing with Kyrie and KD. not necessarily great skills of getting over screens so that's why i think they like to run that switch but i think you want to have drop coverage in your pocket and you also want to have players capable of running that drop coverage, not on a regular basis, but if you have to go to it for a series or for a quarter, you want to have that capability. And I'm not sure the Nets had that. Some of that was roster issues last year, and some was just not having enough time in the court together.
2: Yeah, look, I think that it's a, a number of tools to have in your, yep. your tool shed. It's a number of you know things to have up your sleeve, whatever analogy you want to sort of put there. You know, I, switching is the most effective scheme given the roster construction currently you know if you had jared allen i think you would probably go you know some individual drop at, at certain occasions where you know if we're comparing to, to milwaukee bucks milwaukee bucks you know they predicate a lot of their defensive system when Brook lopez is out there not necessarily on a drop but on a sort of what they call I think it's called like a center roaming sort of yep. rather than sort of like a deep like Hassan White side sort of drop coverage where you're right under the rim. You're sort of in the middle, sort of roaming the ball handler, dropping back if need be. And the Nets don't really have that center that has the capabilities of doing that. You know, DeAndre Jordan is a lot closer to being Hassan Whiteside, and he obviously doesn't play for the Brooklyn Nets. (laughs) Blake Griffin, you know, Blake Griffin obviously is much closer, and, and, and it's just an easier scheme individually to run is that drop scheme. But, you know, when you've got Jeff and KD out there and, and small ball five, switching just makes the most sense because the rim protection isn't necessarily there. You want to keep the guy in front of you. And, you know, KD's decent, um, quite uh, more than decent at the rotations and such. So I think it's about maybe developing some extra defensive tools up your sleeve. It's going to be interesting to see who steps up in the absence of Ma Yudoka, obviously him now being the head coach of Boston. Uh, but the defense, I think we saw enough in the postseason to be like, okay, the switching team is going to work. Yes, it does hurt you on the defensive boards, but maybe you add a guy there, you know, Cody Zeller, you know, who um, you know, spoke about on the Woj pod, you know, his sort of role could fit into to Brooklyn nicely. Or some other veteran center we spoke about on, on previous podcasts to sort of help, you know, provide a, a difference, a, a different point in terms of what the d- defensive looks are like for Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, and I think also adding some forwards. You know what I mean? Not necessarily always playing three guards or playing, you know, sometimes even four guards or three guards and two small forwards or whatever it might be. Having some truer size, I think, would help with that rebounding department as well. But like you said, Jack, you know, it's just kind of the more tools you have. But based off the roster and the coaching, I think switching is ideal at this point in time.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, We'll get to, as John 69. Uh, if you can only pick one, who would you bring back out of Spence, Blake, Jeff, and Bruce? We discussed this a little bit in variations on the, the free agency targets pods, Nick. You got those four names right there. All of them have differing you know, points of value for, for next year's Brooklyn Nets team. You know, Pick one for me.
1: Yeah, I think you know we kind of discussed the idea, and it's like you just go with the talent. You go with the best possible player, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie. And I think even if you don't think he's the perfect fit with the roster— you look at moving him at the deadline for a player of his caliber at a different position. I think that's why you probably go with Spence in this situation. You know, I could hear an argument for Jeff Green here, but I think I would just lean with the best basketball player.
2: Yeah. I know uh, that's what I said on the last pot as well. Spencer Dinwiddie is by far the best basketball player here. You know, fringe all-star, you know, Bruce Brown has his value. In the Brooklyn Nets, on the Brooklyn Nets roster right now, given the ability to play alongside James Harden, nice old two-man game with Kevin Durant. But, you know, in uh, you take those guys out of it, you know, sometimes his value can wane a little bit. Yep. But he's still a tremendously important part of the, the Brooklyn Nets um, and and what their success could be going forward. <clears throat> Blake Griffin, I think, is it's almost like, I don't want to dismiss Blake Griffin's value for the Brooklyn Nets because, you know, when he, without him, you know, the Brooklyn Nets don't, you know, fight as well as they did against Giannis. You know, you're essentially relying on DeAndre Jordan and Nicholas Claxton, two very questionable matchups for one of the best players in the league right now. And Blake Griffin allowed you to go give you the luxury of playing Claxton limited minutes and DNPs and obviously DNPs for DeAndre Jordan. So I think that. That value is, is immense uh, for Blake. And, you know, he's really energy guy. You know, just love the personality that he brings to this team as well, the chemistry um, and the fact that he can't pronounce TLC's name as well. <laughs> um, and Jeff Green, um, we've spoken about him and, and heralded him and his value for, for this team plenty. Uh, he also asked, Nick, the option to bring in K-Love. Now, I think this is a, a rumor that's probably been brought around quite a bit. You know, what did Cleveland do in, in their free agency? Obviously, feel likely that in Evan Mobley at pick three. It obviously you know diminishes the value of, of Kevin Love even more so. Do you see a buyout happening here and is it fate accompli that, you know, I guess Kevin Love has been hanging with Katie a little bit at the exhibition games in Vegas before our team USA went to Tokyo. Do you think it's you know Brooklyn is priority number one for him if he does get bought out?
1: I think probably for Kevin Love, they're the he's looking at the Nets as his top target, but I'm not sure if the Nets are looking at him as their top target, just given his skill set and how it fits with the rest of the team and what they do need. Like we talked about before, when we brought up K-Love, it's kind of like, yeah, if you get him at a veteran minimum and he plays a backup role, that could be something. But also, like can he fit into your big man rotation? Is he actually playable in the postseason? We kind of talked about his health, like the fact he had to leave Team USA and didn't even really play any minutes is somewhat concerning. So it's like, where is he really at? If I'm the Nets, I I definitely consider him, but he's not top of my list of what I need for this team to be a championship contender even further.
2: Yeah, I think it's, you know, filling out the roster. You know, I, yeah. I sort of compare Caleb right now to maybe like a, a Carmelo Anthony. You know, yeah. who, who we discuss on, on the forward free agency targets. You know a guy, you know you can get a bucket, but what's his value to the Brooklyn Nets right now? When you have know, got three superstar guys who could get a bucket and also do far far greater things uh, at a far much at a much greater level. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Nick, we got about forty million questions from D Rock, <laughs> so we better get into to some of them before um, we do. Uh, we run out of time. Which one of the big three is most likely to leave in free agency? when time to decide on their player option arrives,
1: Honestly, that's a really good question. I think uh, we'd all agree that probably Kyrie is the most likely to stay, given his ties to the organization, you know, being his childhood team. And he just seems like he's pretty happy of where he's at in terms of being with the Nets. Um, so, but it also, I could look at that from the other end of the spectrum of him being a quote-unquote the third star and not getting as much love and wanting to go to another situation. Ah, oh, man, it... Honestly, Jack, I'm not really sure. You could convince me in any guy. Like all three of them, there's a possibility because I mean, at the end of the day, anybody can change their mind and want to go to a different place. So, what? How are you feeling on it, Jack? Is it James Harden because he was the last one added?
2: Yeah, po- probably I guess, Nick. But you can also make the argument for Kevin Durant, given you know his history and and fleeting nature and sort of just his ability to just find different areas of fulfillment, different ways to sort of find his basketballing purpose, I guess. And Maybe that's not in Brooklyn, and maybe he decides to to go elsewhere. But I also think that that's I I I think it's also really unlikely that any of these three do decide to opt out. I think that it's almost like you know a joint thing that they're now sort of in this yep. together, and they understand that the success that they can have together. You know, they haven't even seen it. They've seen it for what yep. like ten games, fifteen games, however many minutes it was. You know, Kyrie Irving, I would say, seems the most likely to stay because. One, you know, we've seen him you know, solo in Brooklyn, you know, in the absence of Kevin Durant. We also know that he's his home ties, his family ties, all of those different things to, to Brooklyn uh, and Jersey. Uh, but then, you know, Kevin Durant obviously has his business ventures as well yep. uh, in New York and the surrounding areas. And I think James Harden, is it Macy's or or some form of department um, store? Yeah, departments some department store. Like
1: <laughs> I, I could ask my wife. She'd probably know, but I'm not sure, Jack. It's one of the big ones, though. It was actually a pretty big deal for
2: him in the fashion world, but obviously that's yeah. not our expertise. <laughs> no, feel free to correct me on that. So I think all of them now have those ties to the, the New York and surrounding area in terms of you know whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's whatever else, as well as obviously the basketball. So I think they're in a pretty good situation right now that it'd be incredibly unlikely. But, you know, things happen pretty rapidly in this league and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day as well.
1: Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think it's just kind of impossible to predict how someone's going to feel in a year, a year or two from now or whatever the situation might be.
2: Nick, quick one. Uh, go to, from DRock, uh, go to Nets Analyst slash Writer.
1: Um, you know, this is actually, I was like, wow, hmm, this is an interesting question. I went with Richard Jefferson. You know, I think he's probably like my favorite, just listen, watching the games. And obviously you get the taste of like the former player, some of the stories. And obviously I grew up watching him. So that's pretty cool. And then, I mean, in terms of like re- reading other Nets content or watching, you know, will give a shout out to our guy, Matt Brooks. I think he produces some of the best content, you know, that you can find about the Nets.
2: I would agree with that. I'll also throw out to to the goat commentator Iron Eagle as well. You know, if the whoever the Neds draft, hopefully there's some some puns ready there for Iron to, to throw out there because um, that man is a wordsmith, and you know he should be on TNT. And whenever Mike Bring does retire, you know the the man is one of if not the best color just commentator uh, yep. in the game right now we're incredibly lucky to have him alongside michael grady and the yes network um yes is goddamn amazing i'm not the biggest fan of frank isola but you <laughs> know the, the the rest of the squad there uh, are pretty goddamn awesome
1: agree jack yes network is amazing and like you said it's like a blessing because you don't realize how bad some of the other networks are until you have to watch a game on leak pass or something
2: Nick, Rock again, what happens to DeAndre by the start of the season? You know, we're already hearing, you know, guys like Billy Reinhardt throwing out trades for Steven Adams now with with DeAndre Jordan or Eric Bledsoe, I don't know. But is DeAndre long for Brooklyn? We've discussed this, I guess, a, a couple of times on the pod.
1: Yeah, I think it's very likely that he's not on the team by the start of the season. I think there's a, a possibility he's traded, you know, in the upcoming draft. You know, that's something we could definitely see. If not, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened later in the offseason. If he does come to the team into camp, I would expect him to kind of be in the same situation last year unless, you know, he really had a crazy offseason, got himself in better shape and turned the energy up. But I'm not sure that's going to happen at this age. So I think it's, I'd put a 75, 70% chance that he's traded by opening day.
2: Yeah, I think that I would put that number on it there as well. I'd be intrigued to sort of hear, you know, conversations with KD and Sean Marks. So of go, you know, Sean goes to KD but dude, you know, we gave this dude some money, you know, surely that's enough, you know, we need to add to this roster and, you know, offloading DeAndre Jordan just makes the most sense. You know, while it does make the most sense, you know, KD could just be like, yeah, but I want to hang out with my bro and, and maybe, you know, the DeAndre tax is something you have to unfortunately put up with. So looking at it from the other side of things, you know, there is a possibility where that has to be the case.
1: Hopefully uh, James Harden took that spot. <laughs> You know, he, he's he got a pretty hefty contract. Obviously, he's a lot better player. But, you know, we did trade for one of your other great friends and James Harden, who can help us win a championship. And we talked about a couple different DeAndre trades that, you know, could result in the Nets getting a good player or even a, not yep. even a good player, a player that could just actually contribute.
2: Definitely check out those previous pods. Plenty of uh, talk about DeAndre Jordan on those ones, um, and also you know Jam- James Harden, Nicky's might be too busy hanging out with Lil Baby and, and Lil Uzi verse. So like uh, at the end of the day, Katie might need some some greater friendship. But yeah, insane that. Uh...
1: If you love listening to the Brooklyn Buzz, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you get it all for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen, talk to us about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join.
2: Uh, Another one from D-Rock. What's your best deal to secure a front court player to complement our big three?
1: You know, it's funny. I think it probably includes DeAndre Jordan, right, Jack? I think if I had to say the best deal in terms of somewhat realistic, but at the same time, it's not because of his ties to the organization would probably be Larry Nance. You know, we talked about DeAndre, Shamit, first round pick, maybe another future pick. And that's a guy that you could realistically acquire. If you're not looking at him, then I think, probably Miles Turner I guess would be the next front court player that you look of of being like a real caliber that's realistic to acquire possibly that's a sign and trade with Spencer Dinwiddie or maybe it's even a Joe Harris trade it's hard to really know the details unless you know exactly which player it is but I think Miles Turner Larry Nance would be two guys that are very good players that are complementary
2: yeah, but I, I, Nance, obviously, you know, we've raved about uh, plenty of times. You know, we're on the, the Owen Wilson jet ski, the Mobius jet ski <laughs> bandwagon uh, for, for Larry Nance, no doubt about that one. And you know, Milestone obviously has plenty of weaknesses, but is a, a, a tremendous and, and market upgrade from DeAndre Jordan. I'll throw up another one, not necessarily a center, but still a front court player. Uh, Marcus Morris, obviously, in a, in a yep. sign-and-trade with Spencer Dinwiddie is, is a name that I really like, and a name that we did discuss in previous pods too. So. And one more, yeah, Thad so, Young. Yep, yep, Thad Young as well would be... All those guys would be... can immediately see slotting into to the playoff rotation. And if anything, Miles Turner might be the one uh, that has the, the most weaknesses in terms of, you know, we love a bit of versatility here on the buzz. And don't know if uh, Miles Turner has that in space. But final one from d Nick. If we put Klax through a similar training program to physically develop him like Giannis over the next two to five seasons, what's his ceiling? I say a better version of Sergio Barker can you see nicholas claxton with the sculpted body of a great god nick
1: i don't know he might have to change his genetics <laughs> i don't know <laughs> if, you, if you can really just do that i mean i think it could it's not completely unreal unrealistic but it's unlikely you know what i mean i think if clax does put on a lot of muscle i think would you know, change his game drastically and make him a more complete defensive player where he'd really have no weaknesses defensively and offensively it would help him kind of maintain his positioning and let him kind of explore more of his offensive game because it feels like when he's in the paint and he's not getting a dunk or an easy layup he's kind of getting pushed off of his spot so that extra added muscle would allow him to kind of be more of a paint presence on both ends of the floor
2: yeah, I think uh, to go from the other side of things, look, obviously strength and, you know, physicality is an important thing. But to Klax's game, I think fluidity has always been something that has been quite, you know, synonymous with, you know, how versatile he, he is. You know, he obviously can handle the ball a little bit, you know, has shown the propensity to shoot the three ball. I remember asking him in a, in a Twitter question a couple of seasons ago, you know, what's he been working on the offseason? He said he's three ball don't necessarily know what he's working on right now whether he's in the gym whether he's working on that three ball i I, I think that you know strength obviously is important i don't think muscles are everything you know we see a lot of guys that don't you you look at a carl lowry you look at a drew holiday these guys aren't necessarily jacked like you know Giannis or arnold schwarzenegger but they still show an ability to have great core and and great lower body strength which i think is uh, even more in my opinion Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll see how it all goes. O- obviously, comparing him to Klax is, is something that I think is just never going to happen because Giannis is a, a generational player and, and Klax is... You know, uh, we don't know what he's silly, is, but it's, I certainly don't think it is Giannis by any stretch. Serge Ibaka, maybe. Um, Serge Ibaka, obviously, is, is quite a strong player. You know, quite. I think Clax has some more passing acumen, hasn't necessarily been given the opportunity to show that. And obviously, given you know, his role in this scheme, I think has a bit more vertical spacing, um, even though he still occasionally, you know, his timing can be a bit off there. But yeah, Klax, obviously, the ceiling is is, is tremendous. It'll be interesting to see what his next season is and maybe the Nets sort of see that the fact that, you know, they have him, they have Blake, um, that they don't necessarily need to target uh, some former center. Maybe they're confident in, in their stocks already
1: yeah no I definitely could see it with Claxon. I mean I think there is still potential for him to be an all-star some point down the road it's not a guarantee it's never a guarantee with any young prospect and some of that is going to be opportunity too. like people are mentioning, like the whole Giannis thing well Giannis was like their star he was like playing point guard for them at certain points you know what I mean like early on and getting these opportunities that is just never going to get because he's playing on a championship team and the best thing that could happen for Clax is if he's playing in like blowouts and getting large amounts of minutes but at the same time it feels like the net's trying to protect him and they want him for the postseason so he's kind of in a weird position right now
2: yep i i feel you on that one nick that uh, we've got uh, at vcwx world you think alizé will show us something special this upcoming season i think i saw on the, the next twitter page like it was alizé johnson day
1: yeah Um, You know, this is tough because I don't really know what they mean by special. I think we could see some encouraging moments of potential during the season. I'm not sure he's going to be part of the rotation, just giving his skill set. There'll be nights, though, where maybe he has another 2020 game off the bench and things like that, where it's like, okay, maybe this guy can develop into something. The big factor for Alizé is getting a little bit more under control maintaining some of those defensive like principles and fundamentals, and also developing his three-point shot. If he can do all those things, he could take a major jump this season, but those are a lot of things to kind of excel at in one offseason.
2: Yeah, I mean it's good to see that he got that that deal, and I think we were all pretty enthused about the fact. You know, four years, I think it was one point five ish. It's sort of a similar like Lou Dort sort of deal. Obviously Lou Dort in in uh, providing much more for for OKC, but you know if Alize continues to show what he can do, you know you can even throw him in as some form of a trade package, and and maybe he shows even more when given greater opportunities on a different team. But he's already shown flashes. You know, uh, great athleticism, really really good rebounder, uh, which is something the Nets have lacked. I think that a lot of uh, people were crying out, well, let's just throw Alice out there. We need some boards. We need some, you know, a, a guy to get on the offensive board, the defensive boards, and and, and just you know, finish possessions. And that's something that he's, was maybe his greatest strength this season. And you know, I just think that he's a, a good athlete, great mentality. Um, you know, in, in my group chat, the, a couple of Nets chat group chat, I mean, you know, he's doing some really cool stuff um, with the community in the off season as well. Uh, you know, he's a he's a gem. And Sean Marks is always really good at finding these sort of guys. And, you know, the Nets obviously will manage their their big stars throughout the regular season and whoever they else they add to the rotation. You know, Alizé Johnson's going to get to his opportunities and I'm pretty sure that, you know, he's, with obviously what he's done so far, I think he'll show us a couple of special moments.
1: Yeah, I think for him really, if he can refine his game, you know, just really like get those skills perfected and if he can showcase... Good defense without fouling, I think that would open up a lot of opportunities for him to get more playing time. And I think that was some of the issues we saw at different points against good teams where, you know, he'd have to defend somebody, you know, like one of the top players in the league or top 20 guy, and it would result in, you know, two fouls in X amount of seconds.
2: Definitely. Um, Nick, we've got uh, Joke when when it when it's a young guard and i'm sure I'm, I'm, i've butchered that one um, but he says chances of KD winning his fifth scoring title and or harden getting his second assist title what do you think is more likely
1: uh definitely Harden getting his second assist title i think uh james harden will have enough assist at the end of the season to quote unquote win an assist title it would just depends on if somebody beats him out by one or two more you know what i mean i think if you nets are going to the season healthy double digit assists for harden again is pretty realistic, you could even argue maybe it's even higher because he'll be more comfortable with his teammates, possibly having more weapons. Where I think for Katie getting the scoring title, um, it would be that like multiple Nets players got hurt, and then Katie has to carry this team to the postseason or something along those lines. Because I think there'll be plenty of nights where Katie scores 18 or 20, James Harden has you know 30 or Kyrie has 40 or something like that, where he doesn't really have to have an impact.
2: Katie is the best scorer in the game right now, he doesn't necessarily need that scoring title to validate it. But, you know, if he gets 50, 50, 51, 87 splits like he did in the postseason throughout the regular season, you know, there's no doubt that I think that, you know, he'll have 30 points or or around that sort of range, you know. Um, He's uh, an absolute marvel with the basketball in his hands. And, you know, Harden was winning the assist title before he went down with the injury. You know, there was a nice way. He was putting up 15 assists. I think it was at one point he was averaging like 11 assists. Um, So I think that, you know, Trey Young might give him a run for his money, Chris Paul, wherever he might be, um, you know, a couple of other guys here and there. But, you know, Harden, you know, if Joe Harris remembers how to hit some shots again and, you know, we get <laughs> some other bucket makers and it's almost like you will put James Harden as the favorite. But I'm not ruling out Kevin around It's just that I think that, you know, you've got your Bradley Beals, you know, Zach Levine, these sort of guys who are uh, Luka Doncic on more heliocentric sort of style yep. teams that are asked to do more and have a greater burden offensively. Uh, but don't discount, Katie. I think I think he'll be top five. I think he'll be top five.
1: There's a better chance of him being the top scorer in the postseason. You know what I mean? It just seems more likely, like you said, during the regular season. There's just so many guys that their teams need them to be amazing every single night just for them to have an opportunity. And they're also just going to get substantially more shot attempts than Kevin Durant's probably going to get throughout the regular season.
2: Absolutely. Uh, We'll keep going because we've still got plenty to get to. Back to D-Rock. How would you describe the pressure on Sean Marks' hashtag and MarksWeTrust to assemble that team that brings home a championship? Obviously, there's a lot of financial investment that's uh, going into this team right now.
1: Yeah, I think if you did a 1 out of 10, it'd be a 10. You know, obviously, the pressure to win a championship is this season. Last year, they got hit with injuries. It sucks, but you don't get a free pass because... You know, I think going into everything everyone said, you know, maybe ne- uh, the first season they won't win because of trade mid-year, blah, 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 getting used to each other. But now they have the off-season, they have the training camp, they have the year to acquire more players to kind of fit around these superstars. The pressure's on the winner championship this season. And anything else would be a failure?
2: Oh, yeah. No, when you've got... Uh, you're in the luxury tax to to the nth degree. Um, you've got three superstars who have you know great success behind them. Obviously, other than than James Harden, you know it's it's championship or bust. And you know a lot of the time, you know judging teams on you know whether you win a championship or not is a uh, a little bit naive. And obviously, you know context is required, especially like this season. You know the Nets were never going to get there, even though they were you know a, a shot away, a, a a toenail away from from beating the eventual champions. Uh, with only one of their great superstars and basically no one else contributing, you know, I think that if we see health for this team, you know, it would be disappointing if they don't win a championship because you know you look at other big threes across history, you know, they've won more than one, you know, yeah. it's it's two or more, and and I think that the Nets, you know, have have the ability to do that, and they should be wanting that. You know, winning one is obviously incredibly hard, and you need a lot of luck, a lot of uh, fortuitous nature, and and everything sort of going your way, but. You know, the nets need to be the, the the heavy favorites heading into next season obviously health is going to be a big factor you know sean marks the way he's built this team obviously is you know, it, it's it's built to win and obviously the the moves around the margins you know what he does in this free agency um, will obviously also be a big thing, you know, he's gotten rid of, you know, the Kurutz, the Musa, guys that are sort of dead weight, you know, does he do that as well with DeAndre Jordan, does he do that with, you know, Chiozar and, and and these guys here, and, and adding vet guys in instead, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, because, you know, every offseason, Sean Marks has added something to this team in some form or right. another, yes, he hasn't necessarily, you know, been batting 100, but I don't think any general manager is in, in that regard, but, if he can continue to add to this team, you know, I think that they do need additions because, you know, I expect the, the Bucks to still be around there, the Suns, the Sixers, whatever they do with Ben Simmons. You know, I think that there is a, a bit more parity in the league right now, despite the talent that the Nets do have on their roster. Yeah, so it's, it's not going to be easy, but it is championship or bust.
1: Yeah. I think obviously if you can control health and guarantee the big three's healthy, I feel pretty confident about them beating all those teams that they run back. But as you know, is, there could be an injury and last year there may be one piece away because they just need that one guy that can step up when an injury does happen and they just didn't have that guy so you know like you said it's just li- literally around the edges if you can make one good addition that could really separate the nets from the next team and honestly make even their championship run easier and it could i don't want to say a cakewalk but it could be something that's not the craziest championship run in nba history for sure
2: maybe uh Cupcake? Well, no, I don't want to, want to put that uh, put that word in there. I don't think Kevin Durant uh, will be the biggest fan of me using the cupcake word. Nick, we've got Fred at underscore Fred 83. Favorite games of the season?
1: Uh, I think for me, game two, round two against the Bucks was my favorite game of the season because I was there. Um, and also the Nets just literally destroyed the Bucks, And it kind of was just like a glimpse of what this team could be. If and James Harden didn't even play in that game. If they're just healthy and they have and they're playing the type of basketball we know that they're capable of, that's what we saw in Game Two. Obviously, the Bucks played a pretty poor game, but the Nets were just like almost peak level right there, and that was probably the most fun I've ever had watching the Nets possibly.
2: I mean, I'll go with Game Five. Kevin Durant, forty-nine yep. point triple-double, one of the
0: great Historic. performances yep. ever.
2: Not just like we, we saw Giannis in his fifty point game, you know, Le- LeBron in game one a couple of years ago against Golden State. Obviously his his final closeout game as well in game six. Um, this performance was something that was just unheralded, like just unheard of what, what Kevin Rant was doing. And you know, in a in a career where he's had many and many a performance that are absolutely and truly outstanding, this one might even top the list given the you know, the the circumstances, you know, uh, all the guys injured around him, you know, Joe Harris on hitting shots, the lack of support, uh, but he was just gargantuan. It was one of the great performances that I've ever seen uh, by an individual player. And it's something that I'm going to continue to remember for a very, very long time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it felt like he couldn't miss. It's like in 2K when you get a player hot and you just like can't stop going to him. That was like Kevin Durant in real life in game five. And the level of shot making was just insane.
2: Oh, it's incredible uh, for regular season game. I think we're probably both on the same page That Phoenix Suns game where it was yep. James Harden, Tyler Johnson and, and, it and the supporting cast. Uh, that was an awesome performance and seeing like Katie push Kyrie and stuff. It's just like, uh, that was just a, a really, really fun game. And I think that, you know, my voice was lost on Twitter. My voice was lost in the buzz. Uh, that was a really, you know, it was, uh, uh, reminiscence of the, the Sacramento Kings game where you know, D'Lo yep. and Ron Hollis Jefferson were doing their thing. So uh, that was a really fun regular season performance as well.
1: And even the way the season started, you know, back-to-back blowout wins over Golden State in Boston, you know, just kind of kind of set the tone for things that we could kind of anticipate this year. And even when the Nets went back to Golden State and Katie's return and they just dominated them, like there's honestly, there's a ton of enjoyable games from the season.
2: Yeah, i also throw out you know Kyrie, absolutely in his second you know game at the TD Garden, you know absolutely shitting on that leprechaun. No, not, <laughs> not necessarily really shitting on it but he might as well have it, according to the likes of you know Glenn the big baby Davis um but that was really really fun uh, and it's always you know nice to, to do it against the Boston Celtics even if they were undermanned. and we do like their players the organization uh, is a different question so yeah there was a, a lot of great moments this season you know I, I preach you know enjoying the journey and, and all that sort of You know, Giannis-like philosophy, (laughs) uh, philosophical-like mindset. But despite not winning the championship, uh, we're going to remember this season for a very long time. And it could be a building block into bigger and, and better things.
1: Agreed. It could be the beginning of a possible dynasty. You know, we'll have to see what happens with the Nets' health and what they're able to do in terms of acquiring other players. But definitely screams, you know, big things are coming.
2: Big, big things indeed. And I'm not just talking about Kevin Durant's feet. Uh, Final final one, Nick. I think this is the final one. You might have to... I'm not necessarily good at keeping up with all of the replies because we had so many great ones. Uh, We had Owen at Nets Hive. How many, if any, of the big three do you think will sign extensions this offseason? Obviously, we heard the the news from Woj that we discussed at the start of the pod. Uh, Do we see... It it seems to me, Nick, I I don't know what you think. You You might be in the same boat if one signs i think they all sign
1: yep i think you hinted at earlier i think that's the most likely scenario i mean i wouldn't rule out one of them getting an extension like maybe if Kyrie just signed one that's not something i don't think is crazy but it feels like it's almost a group decision and it could even be like the same amount of length for all three of them you know what i mean so that seems like what it's going to be for me
2: i i agree and look the likelihood on it happening (sighs) 50 50 maybe maybe 55 45 so i can try i was thinking like
1: 55 45 maybe 60 40 i just think you lean towards it being a little bit more positive because they all want it to be here they made it kind of happen you know including james harden forcing a trade in a somewhat ugly way you know what i mean so it's like all right and I think to an extent, like they all can relate just because, you know, even not making the play, I mean, not making the finals and losing, it's like they're still a topic of conversation. Like they all have that like irrational hate from NBA fans. And I think that kind of connects them in a way. Obviously, they have their friendships, but that's just like another thing that brings them closer.
2: Yeah, I mean, James Hunt left $200 million on the table, you know, a yep. four-year $200 million extension from the Houston Rockets. So, um, obviously, money isn't necessarily priority number one for him. So, uh, uh, look, I'm you're much better on the salary cap and those sort of ramifications, Nick, and, you know, the one-year plus ones and all, all those sort of things. And, you know, where's the salary cap going to be up with all the COVID situations? Does it go up? Uh, does it go down? You know, next season, you know, the TV rights are coming up. You know, the the years of, of, of service for a certain team, I think all of these guys, you know, are going to make a lot of money. They deserve to make a lot of money. They're superstars, and and you know, they deserve to be compensated for that. Um, look. I'll, I'll hopefully go 55-45, 60-40 as well, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it does happen sooner rather than later um, because of, I guess, the the desire to do something in Brooklyn, and maybe Jackie McMullen was right, and Kevin Durant does want to do something here in Brooklyn, and we know Kyrie Irving and his love for, and his, his knowledge of the history of the Brooklyn Nets franchise and, and James Harden and his leadership that he's brought to this team uh, as well. You know, I think that these guys are the leaders of this team, you know, not just, you know, through how they play, but also through their mentality. Um, and, you know, signing extensions uh, will be a, a big sign of confidence to, to the organization, to Joe side Sean Marks, uh, and the direction of this franchise for the, the short-term future
1: hundred percent, Jack, a hundred percent. And I mean, I think also the luxury of playing in Brooklyn and playing in New York, you know, you kind of mentioned the different guys and the other opportunities that are going to be available to them that you wouldn't get unless you're playing in New York or in California or in L.A. or something like that. So that's definitely an advantage for the Nets. And Jack, you did miss a couple questions, so I'm going to throw them out there real quick. Cool. <laughs> uh, seize Daddy. Are we happy with Blake starting at center? I would have thought it preferable to have him come off the bench. Is there any legit big man center we can get in free agency? I love the idea of JaVale, but is he even stopping Embiid? I don't think. And then he also mentioned in a second tweet that uh, he loved the idea of Robin Lopez, in which we brought up on the other podcast.
2: Yeah, thankfully uh, I saw that and was able to throw him the. I think it was the episode we did the day before uh, on on Free Energy Center. So, look, the idea of Blake starting doesn't fill me with you know a heap of confidence when it comes to you know 82 games and then you know extended playoff sequences as well because I'm not totally sure about you know his health and such. And we discussed that about Kevin Love and other players. So you want to have, you know, another guy there, you know, whether it's JaVale, whether it's Bionbo, whether it's Robin Lopez or or a million of the other names that we've discussed. I think another center there, you know, what's Klax's offseason like, you know, like we sort of mentioned, you know, is he ready to start and ready to play 30 minutes plus? Maybe that allows you, gives you a sense of leeway there, but they need to add at least another big man. DeAndre needs to transform and to find a, a time machine or another multiverse, which allows him to, to find, you know, the 2015 version of himself. Um, but yeah, they do need another big man. I don't think Blake starts uh, for extended periods, but you know I think he's going to be a pinch hit of starter at the, at the least.
1: Yeah, I don't think in any world you're really looking at Blake Griffin playing starter level minutes. Like, could he start the game? And then, you know, Clax plays the rest of the game type of thing. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. Or, like you said, they bring they sign one of the vets we mentioned on the the center podcast. And then that guy starts the first and the third quarter. And then you have some mix of Claxton Griffin, and hopefully Jeff Green's still on the team. And that's kind of what you look look to go with in that situation. Or maybe, you know, we kind of talked about the idea of possibly trading DeAndre Jordan to Detroit for Mason Plumlee. And maybe he's your starting center for the first and third quarter. Or just like you said, I think adding another body will at least give you different opportunities. I think in no world Blake Griffin is playing starter-level minutes and also playing a large chunk of the season because he's going to get load management.
2: Yeah, Cody Zeller, whatever else. Yeah. even Frank. I don't know. Frank's come I time.
1: I don't know about Frank the Tank, but I can talk, talk hey. stuff the like the Cody Zeller.
2: Them minutes, my dude. Them minutes were nah. I mean, he obviously it probably isn't the answer either. But yeah, it's just I think even that you know we, we talked about Jeff Griffin, that uh, Jeff Green, not Jeff, Green, uh, <laughs> Jeff uh,
1: Griffin. Jeff Griffin would be a crazy player.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, the athleticism will be wild. The dunks. But if we were to retain Jeff Green, which I think you know we all have a, a really high desire to do so. You know, and you get another center. It also lessens his load and having to yep. play small ball five. And you can sort of save it and pinch hit it in a similar way to what you know Steve Kerr did in the heydays of, of Golden State, where it's just like, yeah, we don't really care about playing you know Draymond Green at the in the death lineup. And you know similar maybe even to what the Lakers with you know Anthony Davis. You know he doesn't yep. want to play the five at all. And you get you have at least another body on that roster. It allows you to to show that strength and show that versatility um, in in more sparing moments and and have it be more effective
1: yeah and another style free to play you know what i mean just like another matchup you have going in the postseason in in a situation if jeff green were to get hurt again now you're used to playing with this other center or a different style and that kind of just makes you a little bit harder to beat
2: definitely any more nick i'm obviously really bad at keeping up because um, we have so many good people with their responses
1: i got one more from uh, bishop Uh, his twitter handle is bish 4684 how quickly can we sign JaVale McGee? Feels like he's the best we can do on our budget.
2: Yeah, look, you know, Olympics JaVale McGee, maybe that gives him, you know, a, a little bit of extra money in the in the bank for himself and his contract extension. But, you know, we were pretty high on it before the, the trade happened to to Denver. You know, a JaVale McGee type, a yep. JaVale McGee prototype, all the copy and paste the discussion that we just had. You know, JaVale, obviously, I think is, is only waning now. You know, even compared to last year in Lakeland where he was essentially what we sort of discussed there, a pinch hitter starter and then you throw in a Dwight as a backup and then you end the games with Anthony Davis. You know, the the Nets would probably do similar things with, you know, Clax and Blake and, and Jeff yep. Green in it to that extent so i think that his presence would be would be positive how much is he really going to give you i don't think a, a heap um, if you can find a, a version of an upgrade of that but if javel mcgee is the the best we can get it is certainly better than you know have, going into next season with you know deandre still in the roster
1: yeah i think he gives you a true center true size that you lack at this point in time with the way deandre is playing definitely I think that's everyone. There's probably a good chance we missed a couple. Obviously, it's a little hard with the way replies work on Twitter, but appreciate you guys giving us all these mailbag questions. We'll obviously be more than happy to do it again at some point in this off season. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all
0: stream platforms. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.